0: Hello, my friends. I had a great trip to Calgary. I was very happy to travel again, happy to be that fairly free city. I'm back in Toronto now, and uh, I'm thinking that, you know, just because I was personally happy to fly doesn't mean that the world is getting better. In fact, today I see a few things converging that tell me maybe things are going to get worse, and I don't want to be a pessimist. I like being hopeful. But I will take you through a few observations that suggest they want to put us back in a lockdown this fall. I'll take you through the evidence you can tell me what you think. But first, let me invite you to become a subscriber to what we call Rebel News Plus. That's the video version of this podcast. Just go to rebelnewsplus.com. Click subscribe. Eight bucks a month. That's half the price of Netflix. You get my five weekday shows a week plus four other weekly shows. That's 36 shows a month for eight bucks. That's a bargain. And more than that, we need the eight bucks a month because we don't take any money from Trudeau. So we have to earn it. And I hope you feel it's worth it. So please go to rebelnewsplus.com and chip in. All right, here's today's show. Tonight, I see some early warning signs that things are gonna get worse. It's June 29th, and this is the Ezra LeVant Show. Shame on you, you censorious bug. I'm back in Toronto after a few days in Calgary. I met our team out there. I hadn't even met some of those folks um, ever because they were hired during the pandemic. And, of course, most of our people including me, couldn't travel over the past year. I liked meeting them in person, and I'll have some news in the weeks ahead about our plans for a permanent Calgary office. We've been renting a temporary space there for a little while. I like our Calgary team and our Vancouverites and Edmontonians came into town for the day too, and we went out for a bite of dinner together again, something that we wouldn't have been able to do during the worst of the uh, bigoted lockdown. I say bigoted because there was no science to it. It was perfectly... Punitive. I'll I'll give you an example. I was talking at some length with an Air Canada employee on the journey. I hadn't seen any Air Canada folks in over a year. And I I recognized this uh, old fella from when I used to travel back in the day. And I, I was asking him what it's like to work there these days. We talked a bit about the recent airport meltdown, especially in Toronto, Montreal. And while some of that is indeed on the airlines, most of it absolutely is at the hands of the government, which thought, you could turn airports into massive health care inspection and punishment facilities without affecting the logistics of the industry we truly have the stupidest people in government here's the hapless minister blaming everybody but himself on our end we have done
1: everything we can that is within the control of the federal government now we need to work with airlines and airports at dealing with the flight delays and luggage handling issues, because they, we need uh, the cooperation of airlines and airports to address these issues.
0: Anyways, put aside the current airport meltdowns, I was talking to this gate agent about the extremely limited exceptions there were for letting unvaxxed people fly on planes the past year. Planes, by the way, have some of the best air circulation anywhere, as you could probably guess. I mean, it's easy to get a stream of fresh, cool air when you're flying at 500 miles an hour five miles up. Great ventilation. Um, (laughs) Don't take it from me. In fact, no one less than Teresa Tam herself said that transmission in a plane is extremely rare, but Trudeau banned the Unvax from planes, though he permitted them to take the same journeys at a fraction of the speed on buses. I mean, riddle me that one. But uh, here's what this Air Canada staffer pointed out. There were extremely limited exemptions for medical reasons. So Air Canada actually had a team of doctors whose job was really to reject uh, exemptions. A history of anaphylactic shock, in fact, was not even enough, for example, and extremely limited religious exemptions. I'd be surprised if there were a grand total of 100 exemptions granted by Air Canada in the entire country. But here's what this Air Canada staffer told me. There were no compassionate grounds for exemptions. So, for example, if your parent was dying Uh, and you wanted to get to the deathbed, or had died, and you wanted to get to the funeral, tough luck. You couldn't fly. uh, To say your final goodbyes or or to bury them, no compassionate exemptions were allowed. But here's the thing, even if you were a conscientious objector to the vaccine, but you said, look, this is awful, but I want to be beside my dying wife in her final moments, fine. This is extortion, but fine. I'll get the jab. Just let me on the plane. Well, sorry, it wouldn't work because Air Canada and the other airlines were forced by the government to make you have both jabs. And I think the rule was 14 days apart. So there literally was no way to comply, even if you surrendered your conscience to Trudeau. Too bad. Uh, Unless you had a time machine to go back in time To take the two jabs two weeks before you found out your family member was dying, no luck. So it was purely vengeance and punishment. It was a way of rubbing your nose in it that you dared to defy Trudeau. Now enjoy a personal pain that you'll carry with you for the rest of your life. No science, just Trudeau's political bullying with the support of the entire establishment. And this Air Canada staffer told me it was his job to tell people who were grieving that they could not get on the plane, even if they took the jab. That was his job. Imagine having that job. It's a bit of a downer, frankly, but I was happy to travel again, despite delays both coming and going to Calgary. But you can make a mistake in life by assuming that what you see is what the world is. That if it's not in your field of vision, it's not happening. Solipsism is a word for that. So while I was happy to travel again and happy uh, to be back, um, to the fairly free city of Calgary and perhaps that might make me hopeful perhaps I put a spring in my step but I have to temper that self-centered happiness with other observations I won't repeat my remarks from uh, earlier this week about the triple setback the arrest of Tamara Leach for silently posting this selfie I mean she's not even talking in it. clearly she's just smiling that selfie is why she was arrested The sentencing of an Edmonton church to $80,000 in lockdown fines. We'll talk to Sheila Gunn-Reed later in the show about that. And this commission of inquiry that our friend Dre Humphrey is covering about the commission of the RCMP and her corruption there. Three pieces of bad news all at once, but let me show you some other things to keep in mind. Here's why I have a nagging pessimism under my happiness. I opened Twitter today, which lets you curate your own news sources, right? You can choose who to follow. On Twitter, that's why it's so much fun. You can follow all conservatives, if you like, or all liberals, or a mix of both. I like to see what the other side is saying, Uh, or, or none. You can just go no politicians at all, just sports or entertainment. But Twitter, more and more, takes a heavy hand. Remember, that's what their new CEO, Parag Agarwal, said. They want to steer your attention towards certain stories and away from other stories. That's a hidden kind of censorship and propaganda, isn't it? So you can curate your own news, but they push you there. So I opened Twitter today and I saw this. They were pushing a story from the Globe and Mail very hard. They were suggesting it to everyone. Fears of a COVID-19 summer surge prompt experts to call for a return to masking. Experts say, please don't use that word with me ever again. Has there been anyone more debased and debunked this past year than experts? I'll read a bit from the story. It's time to bring back indoor mask wearing requirements, some health professionals say, amid concerns of a potential surge in COVID-19 cases this summer. In fact, according to Alberta emergency physician, Chuck Worcester, public health authorities across the country dropped the mandate prematurely. There wasn't any indication that it was safe to do that, Dr. Worcester said, pointing to the influx of COVID-19 patients he has seen in the emergency department as never really having stopped. Masks should always be the first thing that we use and the last thing we get rid of. So they're priming the pump. They're getting you ready. They're starting to make you psychologically prepared. This is one of Canada's largest newspapers. It certainly is the official newspaper of the establishment of the insider elites. It's owned by Canada's richest man, The oligarch, David Thompson, he's worth $50 U.S. The establishment is calling. They want their lockdowns back. Say, who is this Chuck Worcester? They call him an emergency physician. They call him an expert. I'm sure he is a physician, but is that really the most important thing to know about him when we're deciding to obey him or not? I mean, it could be, but I think his relentless half-crazed Twitter page is actually more illuminating. I mean, he is an unhinged partisan. Thousands and thousands of tweets comparing conservatives to Nazis. He's an ideological extremist. He regularly bashes any partisan conservative, from Jason Kenney, the premier, to Pierre Poliev, usually with childish insults. Now, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. I'm just saying for the Globe and Mail to call him a medical expert without pointing out that he's in fact a radical political activist and advocate. Well, it's a little bit misleading, isn't it? They put him up as a scientist. The guy's a ranting pundit. The article isn't that interesting to be candid. It's just some celebrity doctors who clearly miss being celebrity doctors on TV because their 15 minutes of fame or 15 months of fame are up. They loved the pandemic with all their hearts. They were important. They were Political bosses without the bother of an election, without an opposition, without accountability. What's not to love? Most of them had huge pay raises, huge social prestige raises. They want that back. But the fact that Twitter was promoting this story all day seemed odd to me, except as a premonition. They are not done with us yet. Remember when the liberals said they were changing the definition of fully vaccinated from two shots? to an indefinite number, just up-to-date? We have considered all options, and we will keep considering all options as we keep protecting the health and safety of Canadians. That's what they ask of us. That's what we'll keep doing. And and according to what public health experts have told us, internally, and as you heard Dr. Tam say publicly on Friday, we now need to transition, we transition to an up-to-date status, which for most adults means a third dose. There are uh, approximately 60% of adults in Canada that have a third dose, we need to move that up significantly, at least to what we have had for the last few months in terms of second doses. Yeah, why would they do that? Why would they change the definition now that the mandates are over? I mean, why would it matter what the number is if nothing hangs on it? I mean, they're not going to use that number, right? Well, maybe they are going to use that number again. Maybe... Maybe they're going to say we have the 20th wave of the virus, the omega variant, so we need a new dose of the vaccine. I mean, Trudeau literally bought 400 million doses. That's more than 10 doses for every man, woman, child, and baby in the country. He kept the contracts secret. I bet he spent $20 billion on that. We know he gave Pfizer and Moderna immunity from lawsuits for any harm done to Canadians. If you bought 400 million doses, like a fool. You'd probably want to use them to avoid looking like a fool. As in, you could say, well, you see, we needed them, aren't I, wise, as opposed to, gee, we didn't need them after all, sorry for the money. A new definition of fully vaccinated to mean up-to-date with the current day, 400 million doses, a new media campaign by wild celebrity doctors, the re-arrest of the trucker grandma to Merrill Leach, the lockdown of Ottawa, like a prison city, because they're worried about a Canada Day Freedom Rally. So they're literally shutting down Parliament Hill for all Canadians. (laughs) That's a bit crazy. I don't know if you saw this in the Ottawa Citizen. They're out of control. The police chief in Ottawa, he says he plans to arrest anyone with a sign that is racist or sexist. Now, we don't like racism or sexism. But it's not a crime to be racist or sexist. Otherwise, our black-faced prime minister would be in prison if it was. So get ready for more abusive policing. The chief has summoned it. But I'm worried about all this converging. Remember, most of the laws that were used to put us in the lockdown remain on the books. We are still in a pandemic emergency. That's the only legal basis for people to take a drug that is not fully tested. It's called the Emergency Use Authorization. It's what it's called in America, similar thing up here. That's the machinery. We're in an emergency. There's I mean, here, Here's a small example. A few weeks ago, Trudeau cut one bizarre and unscientific piece of red tape for airports. If you were flying into Canada for the last year, which would have meant you were vaccinated already, they still pulled aside a random sample of people and made them take a COVID test. Why? <laughs> They've already. They just got off the plane. So what? What are you doing? And and they're vaccinated. Where's the science? What, What even is that besides some make work project? Well, imagine what that would have done to travel logistics at airports. Anyways, after the airport meltdown, like I say, a few weeks ago, they cut that one piece of red tape, but they didn't cancel it. They just suspended it temporarily. Here's a story in Reuters. The random testing will be continued from Saturday and will resume off-site on July 1st, the statement said. Oh, so so they're bringing it back. They're not done yet. They actually abandoned it, but they're going to bring it back. They're ramping up the call for masks. They bought 400 million doses of meds. They're bringing in more flight rules, not fewer. They're arresting peaceful protesters again. They're prosecuting, not pardoning, people who broke some lockdown rule a year or two ago. My friends, I don't think they are done with this yet. They missed the lockdowns. They missed the drama. They didn't miss the power. They missed the sense of purpose it gave them because they didn't suffer. Only you did. If they bring back the lockdowns, what will you do? Stay with us for more with Sheila. in the United States very early on, different state governors saw that local police forces were getting a little too exuberant with their crackdowns on churches, on small business people. I remember in particular one case in Texas of a hair salon owner so desperate that her company would be destroyed by the lockdown. She opened in defiance of the law. The governor saw that, stayed the prosecution of her case. And in fact, in states like Florida and Texas, There was a blanket amnesty, a stay of all prosecutions, and a vacating of any fines or other punishments. Basically, those governors said, we're not going to punish people, and any little official, any cop, any local busybody who's going to try and chase someone down, I'm just in advance pardoning them. That put a stop to it, because they wanted to put a stop to it. And I refer to pretty much every single jurisdiction in Canada where tickets that were issued up to two years ago are still making their way through the courts uh, with police coming as witnesses, with government lawyers as prosecutors, with government judges judging them. There's no end to them. And even though some of them have aged out, I mean, typically if you're charged with an offence. And you're not prosecuted within two years, the charter says that you didn't have a speedy trial. There have been cases where violent criminals have had the uh, case against them stayed for want of prosecution. I haven't heard much of that in Canada. And one of the worst cases is in the province that claims, as its motto, strong and free. I'm talking about the province of Alberta, where some of the most brutal lockdowns and persecutions of the lockdowns has happened. A church in Northern Alberta was prosecuted and was in court very recently for not causing COVID, not failing an inspection, but rather for asking the health inspectors to come back, just not at the exact moment when the church was in service. Joining us to tell the story and what the judge said is our friend and chief reporter, Sheila Gunry, who joins us now from Edmonton. Sheila, great to see you again. Uh, you were at the trial of Church on the Vine, Church in the Vine. The trial is actually over. They were convicted. You were at the sentencing hearing for a church. You don't hear those words very often. Tell us what it was like.
2: Well, it's bizarre because, as you say, you you don't experienced this, and you never would think that you would experience this, particularly in Alberta, but Church in the Vine, yesterday morning was their sentencing hearing. They were previously convicted. The church as an entity and the pastor, Pastor Tracy Fortin, were convicted of three counts of obstructing a public health officer. Now that's particularly noteworthy because Church in the Vine has never been accused nor convicted of violating a public health order, they've never been con- accused of COVID non-compliance. What happened here is the health inspectors and the police, who were part of this hunter-killer task force directed at churches, they would come week after week and barge into the church and interrupt the church while people were in, while the little ones were in Sunday school, while people were reading their Bibles. At one point, while Pastor Rodney Fortin, Pastor Tracy's husband, was on the pulpit preaching, the health inspector said she tried to talk to him while he was giving services. Oh
0: my God.
2: So Pastor Tracy said, this is crazy. You're not coming in here anymore. Now, that she's the nicest, sweetest woman you'll ever meet in your life. Not violent, not rude, not anything like that. But she just said, you can come back, just not while we're preaching, We'll happily take whatever time you need to walk you through all of our processes. But you're not coming in during church services. So week after week, Tracy would sit at the front and turn the health inspector away and say, just come back at a different time. You're not going to run around here like a bunch of lemmings with your clipboards in the Sunday school. It's not happening. For that, they were convicted of three counts of obstructing a health officer. And yesterday they were fined $80,000. So church fines plus victim surcharges. Who's the victim here, by the way, the province Um, of a total of $80,000?
0: You know, um, I used to be a lawyer. I used to be involved in criminal law matters. Uh, Sometimes the criminal code or another law says a punishment of up to, let's say, two years in jail or $25,000 fine. And what actually happens in practice, especially for a first offense, is no jail time. And if there was a $25,000 specified penalty, you know, maybe it's a $500 fine. I just, in fact, I mean, it's been a while since I practiced law, but you don't have to be a practicing lawyer to know that for a first offense at anything, where there's no violence, where there's no harm or malice, often there is no penalty at all. No penalty at all for this judge. At the behest of Jason Kenney's health cops and Jason Kenney's secret prosecutor, I understand from your tweeting, that the prosecutor said she didn't want her name spoken in public like she was some gangland prosecutor. By the way, what is her name?
2: Her name is Karen Thorsrud, and she's also the one behind the prosecution of James Coates. Yeah. So she is also part of this hunter-killer task force directed at Christians, not just the religious community, but moreover specifically Christians in Alberta. She's the one behind that. So I understand why she doesn't want her name uh, used in open court, but there is no publication ban on her name. It's just for her own comfort. So that's why I'm using her name.
0: She's such a bigot. I mean, imagine having, imagine saying, I want to go to law school and I want to join the Justice Department. Why? Do you want to put away bad guys? Do you want to take on murderers and robbers and kidnappers? No, I want to go around Alberta prosecuting Christians. Hey, when you're done your tour of duty in Alberta, I bet you China or Iran or North Korea could hire you for your expertise and your your track record to shut down those house churches there, except for I don't think they would have $80,000 penalties for a first offense. That's super gross. Now, James Kitchen is the lawyer who's fighting this. I understand he's going to appeal. Is that right?
2: Yeah, so James Kitchen has been helping the church in the vine since the very beginning. Um, they became a democracy fund case. Um, if people want to donate to offset their legal fees, it's at savepastortracy.com, and donations there are tax deductible. But we're not done with this yet because they're appealing the conviction and they're trying to stay the fines um, in advance of the outcome of that appeal. So they have until the end of August to come up with $80,000 in fines or the province wants civil enforcement. That means taking their house, taking their car, maybe taking their church building, maybe taking the sound system out of the church. We don't know what civil enforcement will look like, but the province wants their pound of flesh from this church for simply protecting their congregation. I've but yes, never heard James- of
0: anything so gross. And again, in, in when it comes to civil enforcement, you don't have to be a practicing lawyer to know how gross that is. There's, there's certain exemptions. You can't take away someone's business tools to make a living. Imagine going into a church and and they, for all we know, they might seize the church and expropriate it, nationally. Not the first it.
2: time. Yeah. Not the first time.
0: That's what uh, Jason Kenney did to the Grace Life Church. He turned it into a police outpost and put uh, the latrines right on the steps of the church just to show that he was physically and morally shitting on the church, sorry to swear. Um, super gross. Uh, I got a question for you. I mean, an $80,000 fine, it's got to be coming close to a record in Canada for a lockdown fine. I mean, I heard rumors that there was a fine out there somewhere that was in six figures, but it's not coming to mind right now. This may well be the biggest fine there is. And it's not to some mega corporation, it's to a church. And it's not for breaking a health order, it's just for telling the... Uh, little Inspector Stasi to come back uh, when things weren't underway. Was there a single other reporter that you saw either covering the trial or reporting about it from long distance, a single other reporter?
2: Not one. In fact, uh, CBC finally caught up to my reporting when the church was convicted about 10 days later. (laughs) And they, they found out from trolling Pastor Tracy's Facebook page and I think they even published a picture of me that was taken with Church in the Vines, calling me an unidentified woman, even they know.
0: <laughs> they copy it. your story and then they call you an unidentified woman. They have to say that to to cover their tracks so that they were just rewriting your work.
2: Yeah, you know, but um, yeah, there's there's no interest from the mainstream media about this story that is really taking on a bit of an international uh, focus because. The outside world, particularly the Americans, they cannot even believe what's happening in Alberta. It's the kind of thing they don't even try to pull in California, and they're doing it in so-called conservative Alberta. Now, we do have a petition um, at SavePastorTracy.com. So if you go to SavePastorTracy.com, you're going to see a bunch of things. You're going to see my coverage, so you can sort of follow along with the the plight and the trials and tribulations of this church. You can see our billboard along the side of Highway 2 because— I want as many people to know in this province that the persecutions are still going on, even though the lockdown restrictions and Jason Kenny are gone. And you can help fund the legal fees and the appeal for the church. And you can sign our petition at SavePastorTracy.com. And we're going to do something special with that. Sure, Jason kenny has gone. He's doing the long goodbye. We are going to hand deliver that petition to all the UCP leadership candidates because we want a commitment from them that there must be an amnesty on these so-called COVID scoff laws. They didn't do anything wrong. They didn't hurt anybody. Nobody was there that didn't want to be there. Why are we trying to ruin these people if not just to deter anybody from standing up next time?
0: You know, that is such a great analogy. You use the word amnesty, and I'm familiar with certain terms in law and policy, like a gun amnesty. Happens a lot in the United States. There are certain firearms and If you give them up to the police they won't ask any questions they'll just take the guns and no questions asked sometimes they even pay you for them there's immigration amnesties they have that a lot and they've had that in the united states they talk about having it more where okay you came into the country illegally but you can get on the right track this way and we won't prosecute you and then there's even tax amnesties we have those in canada that you can if you did some cheating if you did some tax evasion you can come to the government, and, and they won't ask too many questions. All sorts of amnesties, and these three things I'm talking about, illegal guns, illegal immigration, tax cheating are very serious. Imagine an amnesty for those things, but not an amnesty for a church that politely asked a government inspector to come back, not right in the middle of the pastor's sermon. Super gross, and that's how I started this interview, is saying, True leaders who care about freedom wouldn't let little bully cops or bully prosecutors do this. That they, they state all the prosecutions immediately. But it's not just that Jason Kenney is letting these police and prosecutors doing this. He assigned them this job. Yes. He is encouraging them. I think it's his vengeance. The more I see Jason Kenney deal with these freedom protesters, like with the truckers, he started using Trudeau language about radicals, extremists, hateful. Like he started using Justin Trudeau language. It was super gross. And I think just like Justin Trudeau is really vengeful against people who disagree with him. I sense a a, a whiff of vengeance in the air. It's it's well into 2022. The lockdowns are gone. But Kenny just wants his pound of flesh from these churches.
2: Yeah, and I think that this church is... Exceptionally under the ire of the government, because when the vaccine passports came and when the workplace vaccine mandates came, Pastor Rodney and Pastor Tracy were working 24 hours a day to interview people, to intake people to do their best to assess their sincerely hold religious beliefs and write exemptions for them mm-hmm. so that they could, when these people were abandoned by their own churches right, uh, and forced into a vaccine by their own employer just to pay the bills, they picked up the, the pieces and they did everything they could to help people to That's get around the about. force of the state.
0: These That's what this is about. These churches dared... To say our religious belief is that we shouldn't be forced to take these vaccines and we're going to write a letter to people. No wonder the government hates them so much. I didn't know that part of the story. That shows the true ulterior motives of Jason Kenney's uh, lame duck regime. It's a real problem, I think, that Jason Kenney, although he announced he's quitting, he's still running the show. Um, Aaron O'Toole, the coward who was finally toppled by the truckers, at least he had the good graces to say goodbye immediately. Uh, yeah. There was an internal leader chosen almost immediately in the form of Candice Bergen. And whatever you have to say about Candice Bergen, you know she's a temporary caretaker leader and she's not Erin O'Toole, which is the best thing you can say. Um, <laughs> Jason Kenney said goodbye, but it was with a giant asterisk, bit of a sneaky, slippery goodbye. And he is still running the show, abusively prosecuting and persecuting these churches, that's super gross.
2: Yeah, Uh, I mean, especially when the reason he is, I think, no longer leader, or he's still leader while he does this, sort of waltz out the door months later. The reason he had to resign is because of what he's still doing right now. I that's believe the that. Attacks on the yeah. churches. I think it was good for 15% right off the top. I don't care what your religion is when you see government officials issuing fines, arresting pastors on rainy streets, barging in with clipboards while people are trying to pray. It doesn't matter what your religion is. It doesn't matter if you're a secular person. Most normal people see that there is no pop- possible way that that can be right and just and appropriate in a free society. And that's why Jason Kenney had to show himself the door.
0: Yeah. You know, it's funny. You just made me think of all the uh, mm-hmm. liberal media and the liberal politicians. They're apoplectic that Quebec has a bill called Bill 24. It's actually law now. And it's the, um, I don't know if we use this word in English very much, laity or laicity law. That's uh, a archaic way of saying secular law. They have a law in, in Quebec that if you work in the public service, you cannot have conspicuous religious symbols. And there's some legitimate controversy about that. It's clearly come about because of the face obscuring burqa, which is alien to our Western concept of looking people in the face. That's one of the reasons I hated the masks, as we couldn't see each other's faces. This laicity law in Quebec also bans yarmulkes, Sikh turbans, big conspicuous crosses too, by the way. Now, some people like that law. Some people don't. Uh, I understand the rationale for it. I don't think I've thought a lot about it, but it is unanimous amongst the fancy people, but that that law is atrocious and that it is destroying freedom of people who like to wear big conspicuous religious symbols. And I'm, and I'm sure it does. All those people, the Venn diagram would be a complete overlap. It would be just <laughs> two circles right on top of just each a other. Circle. The people who are appalled by Bill 21 and wanna use the charter and uh, we have to stop Bill 21. Every one of them says go harder against these (laughs) guys churches, crush them, prosecute them, set up a special task force to get the churches. The overlap is complete, Sheila.
2: Yeah, and you know, there's really, uh, even as the UCP leadership rolls on, So far, I see three contenders for the leadership saying this should not have happened. It's um, Todd Lowen, Daniel Smith, who said uh, this should not have happened. And I will go on an apology tour to try to make this right with Albertans and Bill Rock. But outside of that, what really should be the overarching uh, issue of the leadership campaign, given that it's the reason that Jason Kenney is no longer going to be leader you think that more people would be talking about it but it's the mainstream media that drives these conversations in the public and they love it
0: yeah well uh very interesting days Sheila thanks so much for covering that church case and the other ones that you do there are many church cases that are still afoot in Alberta of course pastor Arthur Pavlovsky's case is live and I'm delighted that the democracy fund is defending him defending church in the vine and defending other churches too. Um, it's appalling to me that other churches are either silent or frankly against these freedom churches. I think that's really gross. Um, I'm embarrassed that no synagogues or mosques or Sikh temples have come to the aid of these churches. You know, I've, you've been to the Holocaust Memorial in Israel. I've been there with you. Um, There's something called the Righteous Gentiles. They have the Garden of the Righteous Gentiles. These are Christians who protected the Jews, like Oscar Schindler being one of the most famous examples, at personal risk, like the people who hid Anne Frank. They were Gentiles. They hid Anne Frank because it was the right thing to do. They weren't Jews themselves. Where are the righteous Jews? Where are the righteous Sikhs, the righteous Muslims, the righteous Hindus? They're letting these Christians twist in the wind where is the solidarity? And I tell you, if you had a bunch of clergy from every faith come out and say, lay off the Christian churches, that would pack a wallop. And by the way, it would feel very good, I think, for Christians to see that kind of solidarity. I, I, I think there's a lot of shame to go around here. I think the media is the worst and the government is the worst. But uh, I'm glad you're on the story, Sheila.
2: You know, it's, what you're explaining is exactly why these churches are bursting at the seams. These freedom churches are outgrowing their buildings, um, and it's because Christians feel abandoned by their own clergy who should have stood up for them, should have stood up for religious freedom, and should have seen themselves as frontline workers during the pandemic giving spiritual aid and comfort, um, but they never did. And that's why people were flooding to church in the vine. That's why Grace Life has now outgrown its building. That's why... Uh, Tim Stevens is outgrowing his building. That's why Pastor Art's church is packed every single week. And it's because they were let down by their own uh, clergy, by their own priests, um, that they came to the churches who stood with them. And now, hopefully, they continue to stand with those churches as they stand up to the government.
0: Yeah, well, I'm glad that uh, we're doing our part by telling the story or as our motto is telling the other side of the story, because the government And the media party is certainly against these folks. Thanks, Sheila. Keep it up.
2: I will, boss. Thank you.
0: All right. There you have it, Sheila gunn our chief reporter, the only reporter covering this huge story. Stay with us. More ahead. Welcome back. Your feedback, Brad Peterson says, have to agree with you on this one, Ezra. We will see the federal conservative party's true colors concerning political abuse of power. Look, uh, for a while, conservatives were scared of the truckers because Aaron O'Toole said don't meet with them. He's gone. Then the conservatives were sort of outbidding each other. I met with the truckers first. No, I met with them first. Well, now that Tamara is uh, arrested, who's going to stand up for them? I think this is a litmus test, don't you? Not just federally, but the provincial UCP in Alberta. Just in case that may be a nickname, says our Ontario Provincial Police are looking as bad as the Capitol Police down in D.C. They both appear to directly support corporate interests above all. I don't have a lot of experience with the OPP. You may be confusing them with the RCMP, which is heavily politicized, or the Ottawa Police, which are just out of control. But I think many Canadian police forces have done a discredit to themselves. Toronto was atrocious. Uh, The Montreal police, just atrocious during the lockdown. Imagine a curfew from 10 p.m. till 5 a.m. for everyone, sick or healthy, young or old, a curfew. That really is what they do in dictatorships. Aaron Deneen says the same thing is happening here in New Zealand with persons of interest like Tamara Detained without bail and isolated from family without charge. Yeah, I mean, there are terrifying laws on the books, and these police and politicians have shown they're not afraid to use them. Who knows? Maybe one day they'll come for us. That's our show for the day. Until next time, on behalf of all of us here at Rebel World Headquarters, to you at home, good night, and keep fighting for freedom.
1: Hey guys, Andrew here. We're at the Collision 2022 conference. We're going to ask people about Bitcoin, about investments in crypto, and what type of things they've seen here for the last three days of this conference. Let's go. Sure. We're asking people if uh, they're invested in crypto. Yes. Not only will we be uh, invested in crypto, but we're making an investment in crypto in ways I that mean. no other customers. Well, essentially, crypto and the blockchain, it's here to stay, but the enablement of customers to use the product. There aren't many companies that are helping customers do that. That's what we do. We're asking people today if they're invested in any crypto. Yeah, I have. I had invested in crypto before. What happened? I mean, it evaporated. Do you you think it's evaporated? I you don't
2: think? have it anymore. Um, I actually
0: think my grandmother invested in crypto for me, okay.
2: <laughs> but I personally am not. What would you recommend? Uh, I don't
1: have actually? any recommendations yeah. because okay. the market's really going down. Yeah, so we're asking I'd people how they feel about that.
0: Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure. I definitely should get into more investing, but I'm not, I'm not too sure how I feel about crypto yet.
1: <laughs> not yet. Not yet. Is now the time? I mean, this is
2: again a very, very, very dicey situation and like a question. But then those who are a tech savvy or believing in a disruptive technology, well, you know, it's like an early bird approach. You can always jump into that and figure out what works well for you.
1: Very smart, sir. Thank you. She went to a good crypto conference this morning and um, kind of reinforced what I already knew. You know, don't sell low. Uh, Either if you have it, hold or buy more right now. It's a good time to buy.
2: Well, yeah, we are. Obviously, we own a building. We're building a cryptocurrency platform. We're trying to get more women investing in crypto.
1: And what do you say to people right now who are wary about investing, given the market?
2: I'll let her answer that one. <laughs> it's, it's the best time to start investing. <laughs> it truly is, you know, opportunity. There's a lot of opportunity with uh, volatility, so it's a great time to start investing in crypto. No, I don't know. No, I don't.
1: Is there a reason or you just don't care?
2: No, actually, I'm interested and with the downfall that has been these days, I was a little bit scary, but these days uh, the CEO of Binance okay. were doing, was doing a conference here and he said like, this is not my first winter, you should um, invest at, the, at this moment.
0: Um, I'm not a crypto speculator. I have crypto holdings. I, it, those
2: holdings, I, I don't like it goes up and down. It doesn't matter to me. I understand the, uh, you know, the fundamentals and the functionality of it and its, it's use case. So I'm just—it's basically a hedge against uh, the U.S. economy.
1: I am not. No. Is there any reason? Um, I'm just not ready to do it yet. Um, I'm still like in doing a lot of research. I actually had an interesting conversation yesterday with somebody who was talking about quantum computing, which is like gonna blow crypto out of the water. So yeah, I think there's so many things out there right now. Yeah, of course. Of course, he says, what do you have to say to people who are bashing it right now, bashing the market being down? Hey, it's a long long, long term game and crypto is very new, like chill out.
2: <laughs> um, <laughs> I invested to support a friend. So yes. And what happened? <laughs> um, I haven't looked at the NFTs that I bought, um, but it's, it's to support a friend. There's a ton of projects coming in. Um, I do think it is the future in terms of like Web3 decentralization. Um, so I think that is the future of what's happening, so I'm trying to learn more, um, but yeah, there's going to be a lot of um, interesting times before we kind of really figure out what that landscape looks like.
1: It's very very long for, long line for coffee. <laughs> but it's it's very good coffee here. Is it? Yeah. You need to also line up at the back. I'm not trying to get into the line, sir. I just wanted to know what the line was for. Oh, okay. We're asking people today if they're invested in crypto. Are you? No, I didn't. Is there a reason why or why not? Just don't care? Uh, I still not like, didn't go like read the uh, papers, I didn't like, uh, how to say, didn't go deeper, how like gonna be uh, in the future, like how is like still in our life, that's the reason, but I'm planning to go, but I don't know what time I'm gonna go for some investment.
2: Oh, I have uh, some money in Bitcoin, so I'm not checking my account because I know that it's very disappointing. <laughs>
1: okay, thank you. Yes, I do invest in crypto, and all my money is down right now. Gone or down? Down. What would you say to people who are who don't want to invest in crypto? Do you advise it? Do you think that they should buy in right now or not do it at all? So, it, if they have cash flow, then buy it. Because in two years or three years, it's gonna get back to it. it's gonna be like ten times of what you're gonna invest right now. If you invest three thousand dollars. It's gonna become 30,000 in three years. That's my bet. That's, that's your guarantee. guarantee? Yes, that's guarantee. That's what happened with Bitcoin as well. Okay. It was $10 at one point. Now it's like, it went up to 60K. Now it's down to 28K, it's still a profit. Uh, I was, but I got out before everything crashed. I played the dips. Are you, would you advise people to get it now or not get it at all, or how do you feel about that? I think long-term, if you have the patience, it's worth it. I could see it going somewhere. I bought like 4K. I made a lot of the NFTs, but I'm still holding on 1K, which is a bad idea. <laughs> What's your advice for people who don't have any crypto? Should they get in now? Should they wait longer or not do it at all? Okay, ETH is gonna dip to like 500 bucks. Wait a few months, buy then and then write it up. All right, thanks, Jerry. Are you invested in crypto? Uh, no, not really. Is there a reason? Um, I don't understand much about that. <laughs> yeah, so I don't like to invest in something I don't understand. Okay, thank you. <laughs> Oh, uh, I mean, has nothing to do with what I'm doing. I'm more into the NFT space than individual crypto. And do you think that's more safe and less volatile than crypto?
2: No, not at all.
1: <laughs> We're asking people if they're invested in crypto. Do you have any crypto investment?
2: I do, it's not going very well. Oh, no?
1: What's your <laughs> advice for people?
2: My advice is to do a lot of researches because me, I'm always, um, investing more into the new than going and do do my own researches so i invested in shiba in dodge me too, me too. Uh, not thank you to elon musk
0: because that's because of him i invested in that I, I heard he's getting sued because of that by the way
1: i hope so <laughs> uh not yet maybe in the future because we're going to scale and like cross-border like transaction will require something so crypto will be probably one of our solutions
0: I dabbled a little bit, but I'm not in anymore. Yeah,
1: no. (laughs) Is there any reason why? Uh, Because, so,
0: I think for now, because the downward uh, trend of uh, cryptocurrency here, so um, I think uh, it's a good time to get to the market.
1: So wrapping up our question of people are involved in crypto or not, and what kind of advice can they give to others? Well, everybody's saying that it's a long-term game, and they should probably get invested in now, if at all. Uh, some people are spouting the usual taglines of "it's a perfect time to buy," and you know it's going to fluctuate like every market. But in general, I think most people are a little bit skeptical and want to read more about it before they get into making large purchases of cryptocurrencies. <laughs>